So um, I, I love answering questions like this. So uh, especially like, like how to build your practice kind of questions. So how do I come up with care plans for children on the spectrum? So the way we come up with care plans for children on the spectrum is um, number one, based upon where are they, where they live. You know, I would like to see someone as frequently as possible. Um, we see a lot of kids uh, who live from very far away. So uh, even though I'd love to see them uh, three times a week, we're not gonna be able to. So I almost always start with them at two times a week. Um, uh, and, and usually, most of my care plans for the special needs kids are six month care plans, minimum. Depending upon how severe they are, they are six month care plan minimums because it is quite, uh, it is quite a lot to change a pattern on a, with a kid who is on the spectrum. So, I will generally say it's two times a week for three, three months and then we'll do a couple of re-exams in there. And if we see a significant improvements in the re-exam, not in how they're behaving, but in the re-exam, then we will reduce it. If not, then we'll stay at twice a week. So some kids uh, are twice a week for years um, uh, because we keep on seeing improvements, but they're just mild gains, mild gains, slow, mild gains, which is, which is you know, the best that we can expect. Um, but that's usually how I come up with that. And then we know that they're doing better when on the re-exam we see less primitive reflexes, less eye issues, improved uh, behavior, improved eye contact, those kind of things. Um, Paolo, what's a good loan? Uh, none. The answer is none. Uh, my recommendation is to, if you can, if you, if you can is to not, use, not get a loan. Uh, because if you're graduating, like most of you guys here, you're graduating with $200,000 in debt. And then to get a loan, you're going to spend another, let's say, $1,500,000. That's another hundred. That's going to be $300,000 in debt. You haven't even had one patient yet. So my recommendation, and, and those loans are very expensive loans to pay back. So my recommendation is, um, well, twofold. Number one is um, if you, like, well, actually, let me ask you this, Paolo. What amount of money are you talking about? Paolo, can you tell me? What amount of money are you talking about? Because that's an important point in this. So, Paolo, can you answer that? What amount of money are you talking about? Like 10,000, 50,000, 100,000? Thirty to fifty. Okay. So, and let me ask you this question: What do you need that much money for? What do you need that much money for? Why do you need thirty to fifty? Because this is very important. Tables, X-ray. Okay. Great. Great. Excellent. Excellent. I'm glad you're using it for that. So, um, you don't need to buy anything. Don't buy stuff. Lease it. Lease to own. A lot of the major chiropractic companies will lease to own. So instead of you having to pay, let's say you're, you're buying three, you know, high-low tables for 10 grand each, right? There's no reason for you to actually buy it outright right now when you don't have the money. Better for you to lease it and pay a few hundred dollars a month on a lease than to buy it outright. Same with x-ray. X-ray costs probably 40 grand to get a, a good digital x-ray, 30 to 40 grand to get a good, good digital x-ray. So let's say you got three tables at 30,000 and one x-ray for 30,000, 60,000. 
but you but instead of getting a loan for that, which is gonna cost you an arm and a leg every month to pay back, because those loans are like five-year loans, that's a lot of money uh, to, 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 to pay back every month. You might as well, you might as well uh, lease to own. Lease to own. So you could pay a small amount every month, and then over time you're gonna stop paying that off, and then towards the end you can continue to lease it, or you can decide to actually, once you have the money, um, to, uh, to, to actually pay it in full. So that, that's my suggestion, number one. Number two is if you need a smaller amount of money or, um, or you're gonna do the lease to own and you don't have any, like I graduated with no money. So I put everything on credit cards. I put everything on credit cards. I got three different credit cards, uh, three different like Visa and Amex, uh, not Amex, but three different, like a, two Visas and one MasterCard, something like that. And I cut them up after I so I had one, my one main card, that's, oh, that was mine even through school, but then I, had, I got three extra credit cards that had the lowest interest rates and the best you know, rates and stuff. And I put all my down payments and all my whatever and all the, all the misogosh I needed to get started and I put everything on credit cards and I cut those cards up. So I did not ever use them ever again except for that one thing. And then, um, and then I paid everything off and this is how you pay things off. You pay things off by saying, okay, let's say credit card A is $100 a month, credit card B is $200 a month, and credit card three is, is $300 a month, as an example. So first I paid off their credit card A that's $100 a month. And then, and then, I, and the, and the minimum payments to the other ones. Then, at, when I paid off the credit card A, I take the A money and I put it to the B credit card. So now I got 200 a month plus 100 a month. Now I'm paying 300 a month to that credit card. And I do that until I pay that one off. And then I would take the A and the B credit card and put it to the C credit card of money. And now I put all that money there. And then what happens is you pay that one off and now you don't owe anymore. And the best thing about it is you don't go play with that money. Now that's retirement money. Or that's I'm saving for my house money. And you start putting that away in a savings account. So that's, um, that's how you're going to use the uh, credit cards in a very effective way. The best x-ray equipment is, um, the x-ray equipment that I use is biokinemetrics. I'll write it down for you, biokinemetrics. I really, really, really like their system. I, I just got it installed this past year, and it is amazing. Uh, I even, no, matter, even, no matter how large a patient is, it takes an amazing x-ray. It always knows how to put the right amount of stuff into it. Um, so even though my x-ray might be, like this person might be quite you know, large, um, it always it will filter and, and, and change the image so that it works. So I really like it, and it's, not that expensive, uh, but it's a really great system. So that's my recommendation for X-ray. Uh, for software, we use a company called Cairo Wright, W-R-I-T-E, because I don't take insurance. It's a great non-insurance software. If you take insurance, it's really not going to be as effective for you because um, it's just not meant for that. Uh, you can use insurance a little bit with this, but it's not for billing major insurance you know, uh, every month to clearing houses and stuff. Uh, there are other companies that are better for that. Um, but if you're not going to take insurance, Kyrite is my fave. Okay, good, good questions, Paolo. Thank you. Let's see. So there's a few other questions I had here. So plans. 
Good loan. Brian. Brian said, how do you market in a small town when you're opening up a new practice? Good, good, good. Now, what do you look for in a location to open a practice? Excellent. Okay, so let's answer Brian's question first. How do you market in a small town? Uh, well, here, here's the, the answer to, to what I'm going to say is how you market anywhere. I'm going to tell you how I opened up my practice um, and, uh, and how I got 30 new patients in my first week. Um, both when I first started in 1990 and when I came down here in 2001. So here's how you do it. You're going to do what they call a business survey. A business survey. So you're going to go around to all the local businesses with a clipboard uh, and uh, make sure you wear, bring a mask in case um, nowadays, in case that if, if the owner or the person you're going to talk to has a mask on, you put a mask on. Even if you don't have any feelings about mask, whatever, you just be respectful, right? So, um, and then you say to them, hey, uh, I'm new in town, I'm Dr. So-and-so, and I'm opening up down the road over here, and what do you think about this area? And they'll say, oh, I love this area, it's great, you know, great schools and great churches and businesses and da da da, da great restaurants. <clears throat> And you ask them to name them. Oh, what's the, what's your, what church do you go to? What's your favorite restaurant? What's this one? Just ask them. And, and, make, and obviously you're not doing this in the middle of rushing hour when a million people are there. You've got to go at the right time. It's like in middle of the morning kind of thing. Don't try to talk to someone when they're super busy. Um, and then you, you say to them, um, you know, excellent. This is really great information. Um, I'm opening up in about a month. May I invite you to... Oops, sorry. Uh, may I invite you to my open house? May I invite you to my open house? And they're like, sure. Uh, almost everybody will say that. So then you say, okay, great. And then you give them your business card and they give you their business card and you write down open house on it and then you put them on an email list and now you're gonna send them an email invitation to your open house. What will happen though is, and this is my recommendation, is you need to try to hand out 500 business cards in a month or two before you open up your office. And what's going to happen is, if you hand out 500 business cards, maybe 10% of the people are going to say something like this. Oh, so you're a chiropractor, Brian. So I have this back pain. And they start talking about stuff. Uh, and then what you say is, well, what I'm doing for people like you that have been so nice and generous with their time is I'm going to invite you to my office for a discounted exam. But here's the deal. Listen to this. This is so important. This, is, this was the clutch thing that I was told to do and it's, it was so helpful. Before you go on your survey, you need to find who or what is in the area that is the single top charity that you can donate to that's a local charity. In other words, you know, um, some, uh, there's always a family where there's, God forbid, there's a kid with cancer. There's always a family where, God forbid, they just had a fire and they lost everything and now they've got no place to live. Okay. There's always something like that in every church, in every big community. There's always some big tragedy that people are raising money for. So what you say is this. Okay, so uh, I'm going to, uh, we're going to do this exam and it's going to be a discounted exam. Um, and, but we're raising money for the Jones family that just had that horrible tragedy that you know about, and $25 of the $50 exam is gonna to go to the Jones family. And now the people are like, oh my God, this guy or this person is so nice 
and they're actually raising money and they're giving half of everything of their, for their, all the new patient exams to the Jones family that just had that horrible whatever happened to them, I'm in. And I'm telling my wife to come too. And I'm telling you, it was magic. I had 30 new patients my first week, and from 30 new patients, you built your whole practice. Because what's gonna happen is, 30 new patients come in, you sign them all up, they bring all their kids, they bring all their spouses, they start bringing their friends, and now you've got, you're seeing 100 people a week within your first month. So, uh, but, but you gotta hand out 500 business cards. So you gotta do this survey, and it's not easy, but it's the most important thing to do, I think, to build a practice. Now, yes, you need to have a Facebook presence and have a website and all that kind of stuff, absolutely. But that's not gonna get you patients quick, right? What's gonna get you patients quick is handshaking. Um, so you gotta meet people, and this is my favorite way to do this. Um, Brian also asked, what do you look for in a location to open up a practice? So what I look for, the most important thing I look for, Brian, is two things. Number one is demographics. So, and I'll tell you who does the best demographics. Whole Foods and Home Depot. So you don't have to have to, like, you can go online if you want to and look for like income and education and that's all very good. But if you find a place that a Whole Foods is opening up and a Home Depot is, you're probably in a good spot. Because Home Depot and Whole Foods, they only open up in really good areas. Uh, now, not to say that other areas aren't great to open up too, but I'm telling you that one of the main things that we liked about where I am in practice is that there's a, there's a Whole Foods and a Home Depot right in that area. Another good place is Starbucks too. Starbucks does not make a, a bad decision in, for the most part in their uh, things. And I don't mean a little Starbucks kiosk in a Target. I mean a big Starbucks, a main Starbucks. And, and a busy Starbucks especially. Uh, that's usually, the, those companies, like always look, not a McDonald's. A McDonald's, not that a McDonald's is bad, or, but the McDonald's doesn't have the same demographic requirements as a Whole Foods or a Home Depot or a Starbucks. So I find those, uh, for, at least for, for the pediatric practices. You know, you want a PI practice, it's a different story, very different demographics you're looking for. Um, but you want a pediatric practice, these are the demographics I think you want to look for. Um, so Home Depot, um, you know, Whole Foods, Starbucks, number one. And number two is, how do you feel? Uh, the way uh, Dr. Webster told me when I was looking for a, practice, a place to set up, he said, where does your heart sing? And I don't mean singing like on top of Grand Canyon, like obviously my heart sings there, but I can't open a practice there because, you know, it's a national park. Um, and there's no towns like within 50 miles of it, so it's really not a good place to, so that's, that's, not the, that's not the singing we're talking about. The singing means like you go there and it's like everything feels right. It feels right. Um, and um, so that, that to me is, is, is the two things you look for, is good demographics and let these other companies do it for you, and then where does your heart sing? All right, excellent. You're welcome. Uh, Nicole, what is the best way to come up with cash rates for entire families so it's affordable to get entire family under care but still get enough for your value? That is a very, very, very good question, Nicole. So, uh, how do I come up with a, a good cash rate? So first off, every area has an amount of money that is the typical money, number one, that a Medicare patient will spend on, uh, on chiropractic. Like for instance, in this area, in this region, I think it's about $42 or so is a typical Medicare amount. And you can look that up online wherever you land, look that up online and, it'll, and Medicare will tell you 
uh, state by state and then area by area how much a Medicare adjustment is worth in that area. And then number two is, um, hopefully you'll know some people, ask some of your friends and colleagues in that area, what do you charge for an adjustment? And then I want you to figure out, and this is not, now this is Drew Rubin's way and not everybody's way, so you, don't, you can do whatever you want. But I want you to figure out what is a price that in that area with those demographics people can afford every month to bring the family in that it wouldn't break their bank. Right? So if, if you're, let's, as an example, if you're paying, let's say your adjustment fee is $60 a visit and you want the whole family to come in and they got five, they got a husband and a, and a wife and three kids. So 60 to an adjustment times five, six, I'm really not good at this. $300 a visit for the five of them, right? Times twice a week is 300. That's 600 a week times four weeks, 600 times four, $2,400 a month. Not many people will be paying 2,400 a month unless you're in New York City, Central Park West. Different story, or you're in LA or something, you know, some very high Beverly Hills kind of area different story. But if you're in a more a typical area like we are here in Atlanta, or even a much more rural area, you're going to have to get your prices accordingly. So that, that's why you figure out what is the, the going Medicare rate, what is, are your, your other colleagues in the area charging, and then come up with an amount that usually is like, let's say the normal amount is like $40 in adjustment, just as an example. So um, how many, what do you need to make it break even? And my suggestion is like, it should be several hundred dollars a month to bring the whole family in, but not several thousand because people can't afford it, right? So, and you gotta come up with where it is with you, but you come up with a, you have come up with a per visit amount and then multiply that by a certain number to come up with that monthly number because I think the best thing, Nicole, is to have a monthly adjustment fee. So as an example, a family of five in my office pays $3.99 a month. So that's not cheap, but it's so. But uh, so I'm still making you know money off it, but it is not so expensive that people say I can't afford that and I won't pay for that. Um, so so that's an, just an example of of what you can do in that particular situation. Um, I think it's very important to figure out what's going on in the area and then come up with a price that you think is an affordable price. Now obviously that can go up as you feel more comfortable. Uh, but that's a good place to start. All right, hold on a second. A few more questions here. Okay, so we got two more questions and then we're gonna wrap up. So Camille asks, how do you document each patient encounter? Do you have a CA that writes it for you or do you do it yourself? Great question. So uh, let, let's, let me answer one question first. And this is not to say that you can't do this, but uh, I'm really gonna recommend that you hire a CA right away. Now, I have some friends of mine who don't have CAs and to save money, and I think it's fabulous. Um, it's a little risky in today's day and age um, to not have a CA, regardless of whether you're born as a male or born as a female, it's still sort of a risky thing because you want someone to back you up. Uh, especially like we have an open adjusting area. So my CA, Bailey, she sits there and she sees everything that I do. So very hard for someone to come back and say, Dr. Rubin, has some sort of misconduct of some sort because it's all out in the open and Bailey is sitting right there. Um, so I recommend that, that you, know, you always hire a CA. 
Uh, now, some people don't want to, and that's totally fine. You do whatever you want. It's just my personal opinion, number one. Number two is, in the beginning, um, that CA, part of that job, would be, it would be very helpful to have them document for you. Now, I have interns do all of my documentation for me, um, but I've been in practice for more than five years, obviously, so, um, so I can have an intern. When you guys first graduate, you won't have that. So I would either do a, have a CA do it, if you can, um, if they're not terribly busy, which they probably won't be in the early, very early stages, um, uh, or you just do it yourself. Um, and ChiroWrite, the, thing, the reason I really like ChiroWrite, this program I mentioned to you, is it's super easy to, to use. The, the ent entry of the first visit is hard, there's a lot, but that is in any, uh, any of these things. But then uh, after, um, after you get going, the actual visit by visit is quite easy and simple, unless there was some significant change uh, in the encounter. Um, so, so we document every visit, every adjustment goes into ChiroWrite. I have interns do it. I recommend if you can't have a CA do it. If not, then just do it yourself. And get a program that's simple to do your day-to-day -day encounters. Your first visit encounters will always be long, but make sure, like, and they're, you know, when you look at all these other companies, make sure that your visit-by-visit -visit, um, encounters are quick because that's critical if you have to do it yourself. So good question, Camille. Um, and last question, you're welcome. Last question is, how many, how many visits are included in that plan for a family? It's twice a week. My visit, my visit uh, plan is two times or once a week. Um, and once we get less than once a week, if they start coming, which is very rare, because I don't, I don't usually recommend this, but if they come, start coming every other week, then I will change that fee for them. Uh, but almost all my plans uh, start, and, I, and what we, I usually have, Nicole, is I have like an individual plan, a, a couple plan, a small family plan, and a large family plan. So I have four plans, and it kind of goes up uh, you know, to, uh, from there. Um, but we try to make it as affordable as possible because I want, I want people to come in and have no barriers in my office. And having you know, $2,400 a month would be a hell of a barrier in my office. Um, not that someone can't do that, and I have colleagues who do that, but uh, for me, I'd rather keep it a lot more affordable and see a lot more people uh, that way. Um, so excellent, excellent, excellent. So just to let you guys know, your best advice for you uh, as future graduates. Um, well, first of all, let me just tell you, this class is one of the nicest classes I've taught in quite a while. So I really appreciate it. Um, uh, it, it's very hard to, 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 be a, uh, to teach during a pandemic, I will tell you. I am, I'm not a fan. Um, I, I like having a big crowd of people. I'm used to having like all 40 of you here. It is much more fun. Um, nothing against you, Brian. Uh, but it's much more fun uh, than, than having less people. Um, but uh, my, my best advice to you is that um, you need to have an attitude, Camille, that there's no choice. Like, that there's, no, there's no going back, there's no choice, you have to do this, and you've got to take care of the kids. So you need to develop a sense of urgency, Nicole and Camille. Um, you need to develop a sense of urgency that says, if, if like, what I usually tell, what I, this is what I was talking about at the ICPA this weekend, because I, I just did a 12-hour talk this weekend, and um, I said, because uh, someone asked me a question, and I said, you, you gotta feel like if you don't do it, nobody else is going to. 
and, and that there's no competition, and you, you just have to go out, you know, I have to see more kids, right? And it has to become a, 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 sort of an obsession. I think the best top chiropractors that I know are kind of obsessed with not making money, uh, not seeing a lot of patients, that's not the, my, the number is not important to me, it's, it's reaching as many kids as I can. But you need to create that obsession. And the way to create the obsession is to study the thing that obsesses you. So I study pediatrics. I read about it. I listen to podcasts. I, you know, I have a podcast, Chirocast. So you can listen to that one. I, I, I watch you know, videos about this. I go to seminars about this. I read books about this. I read articles about this. I'm just totally obsessed. And I think that has made me a better chiropractor. Um, and, and patients recognize that and that's what they want that. Uh, and you become, you become more attractive when you become this authority, right? Like I know that I know that I know kind of thing. So I hope that answers your question, Camille. And then um, Nicole asked one more question. Thank you, Camille. Uh, what causes small versus large family? Like, yeah, so very good. So like I mean, Nicole said, what's a large or small family? So, so five or more is a large family and four or less is a small family. So you got individual, couple, small family, large family. Uh, just make it easy and simple on you. Oh, Samantha trying to get the last thing in here. 429, all right. Uh, what is your adjusting flow for a daily visit on a kid? Um, so a, a typical visit, a new patient exam lasts, depends on the kid and what's, or uh, adult and what's going on with them, hour-ish, maybe more on a special uh, case or um, something really significant going on. Um, uh, but an adjustment is five to seven minutes. So it's, it's pretty quick. So we can stuff a lot of people in a day with that. And we have adjusting hours and we have new patient hours. So we do not adjust during new patient hours and vice versa. Um, so that is important. So like we start at nine in the morning, but we have a new patient hour that starts at 8.30. And we end at 12.30, but we have a new patient that, that comes in at 12, fills out the paperwork, gets started, and then I can sit with them when they're all ready you know, for everything. So we always have new patient hours and adjusting hours so they don't conflict. And that's made it very, very helpful. <clears throat> uh, oh, do I, oh, that type of flow, sacrum or atlas, okay. So, <laughs> different flow, right? Um, so the, 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 the way I adjust, um, it depends on the kid uh, and what's happening with them. I kind of uh, go whatever makes sense. But I'm usually either, I'm starting either with Atlas or Sacrum based upon where they are on the bench. So, excuse me, if they can go face down on the bench, I'm adjusting, I'm starting with Sacrum. If they can't go face down, if they have to sit or go on their backs, then I'm adjusting Atlas first. So that's how, so it really depends on what they are capable of doing as to where I start. Make sense? Excellent, excellent, excellent. So thank you guys. Uh, I really appreciate your attention. Um, like I was saying, your exam next week is at Tuesday for 24 hours, starting at 2 o'clock. Um, and uh, good luck on that. I hope to see you in some of my other classes and an ICPA. Um, and have a great, uh, and if you're taking boards this weekend, good luck on boards.